down to is Kyrie Irving. When you talk about him being his team, it's not the Boston Celtics. It's Danny Ainge's team. It's Brad Stevens' team. People are talking like we won't still have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Marcus Smart. And don't forget about Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, Brad Stevens, and Danny Ainge. Welcome to the Celtic Center. Welcome back to the Celtic Center. As usual, it's your boy Adam. I'm with Brendan, and today we've got a guest, Jake Madison from Lockton Pelicans. Thank you for taking the time to join us today, Jake. Yeah, of course. No problem. Happy to be on. So, obviously, the whole point of this episode is to talk about that AD trade. You guys got a really good deal. I think that it could end up being that you guys won the trade. As a Boston fan, it weren't great for us, but we knew that it wasn't really going to go that way once AD's camp came out and said he wasn't going to stay in Boston even if we traded for him. How are you feeling now you've had a few days to digest the trade? You know, all things considered, it's a good haul. I'm not you know, necessarily the highest on some of the players coming back in, but you've got to look at it in the grand scheme of things. Certainly, maybe I would have liked Jason Tatum, the 14th pick, Marcus Smart, that Memphis pick from Boston. I'm higher on Tatum than any of the players that are coming over to New Orleans from L.A. But those were on the table at various times. They were never all on the table altogether in one gigantic, big, monumental trade package. So you can't really judge their return against that. It was never going to be realistic. And once they weren't going to get that monster haul, say, from the Celtics, the Pelicans started losing leverage rather quickly. New York was never really in the mix. The Clippers were never really in the mix. And without those teams there to really drive up the price, LA's the last option left. And to kind of get every ounce of value out of Anthony Davis, I think is a very good return for the Pelicans. The players are intriguing. Brandon Ingram could turn into a very good score. I'm pretty high, actually, on Lonzo Ball as a player. I think he fits well here in New Orleans. You know, Josh Hart's going to be a 3-and-D guy off the bench, which is just never bad to have, though he's kind of maxed out as a player. And then the picks are very intriguing. You get the fourth pick in this upcoming draft on Thursday, which they might look to flip and bring in other assets or other picks. And then you have picks and future first-round picks and pick swaps that outlast LeBron James there in Los Angeles. That's a team that could be almost bad once he retires or isn't there anymore or kind of getting ready towards retirement in the NBA. So those could become very valuable picks in the future. And David Griffin, the president of basketball operations here in New Orleans, had a very good balancing of the short term and the very long term. Brendan, how do you feel? Because I know that we spoke about this and we actually said the same, that we don't think LeBron's longevity outlasts these picks. Yeah, I think that, I mean, just being able to have those so far in the future, you really never know what's going to happen. If LeBron leaves, we've seen AD on a team really by himself, and it doesn't lead to exactly what you would hope to. I know they did sweep a first-round series, and that went well, but AD seems like he needs some other guys. There's potential of those picks really going well. And uh, a question I have for you, Jake, is that does it feel like this team is build around Zion or is Zion a piece of the team like is everything you're bringing in to fit around Zion or is it too premature to do that I think it's too premature to do that and you know it's that's how it's going to be and Zion I think is so good and I mean this is there's a reason he's the most hyped prospect coming into the NBA probably since LeBron and he's probably the best prospect since Anthony Davis I think you'd rate them pretty close together you know you can fit a lot of different types of players around him into a number of different styles once you really dive into the tape on him. 
But right now, with New Orleans going through a bit of a rebuild, it might be more of a retooling than a rebuild. Just get in players. Just get in assets. Get draft picks. Get talented guys. You worry about the fit later. You know, the fit doesn't matter unless you have good players here. So I think they look at maybe Lonzo Ball as more of a long-term piece for New Orleans because he'll fit with Zion a little bit better. But a guy like Brandon Ingram is a mid-range scorer for the most part right now. Doesn't space the court well for a win or a big. You know, you've got to wonder about fit. You've got to wonder if that means eventually he'll get spun into something else. Or if New Orleans does really look to keep it long-term, which is just not what I see. So eventually it's going to be all about building around Zion. Right now, fit, throw fit out the window. Just get the best possible players in, the most talent, and then you can kind of figure it out from there. Yeah. And one of those... Oh, sorry. Go on, Brendan. Sorry about that. One of those assets you do have is that four pick, and that was a big reason that I feel like the Lakers were able to pull this by jumping up there. Um you obviously have a lot of young guys. I mean, you practically have a starting lineup aside a center of young guys. Does it feel weird to bring in a number four talent onto this team, even though I know, obviously, there's a big fall off after one, and then there's two guys after that before another big drop. Um, does it feel like that fourth pick is a good idea for you to take? And I know there's talk of swapping it, but the same thing if I've heard swap back with Atlanta, then you just have even more young guys. That feels a little weird to me. And aside from Bradley Beal, I struggle to find who you would throw this fourth pick at. Yeah, you know, they're in a weird spot with it. Getting the fourth pick in this draft is just like not the spot you want to be. I have it too exactly like you. It's Zion. Then there's a pretty significant drop off to Morant and RJ Barrett. And I have those two guys pretty close. And then it's another significant fall off to the fourth pick. Maybe Darius Garland or whoever you have in that four slot here. And with New Orleans wanting to get back into the playoffs a little bit sooner rather than later, they don't necessarily want to add another rookie to this team that's going to take longer than Zion to develop. It takes guys, you know, two or three years in the NBA to really start impacting your win total. And whoever they pick at four is going to take at least that long. So I think with a team with Zion, Drew Holiday, and some of these Lakers players who at least have NBA experience and have shown they can be good scorers or passers or rebounders, what have you, they don't necessarily need a young guy to develop. You can kind of think a little bit more long-term. So Beal is the dream. I think it's going to take more than, say, the fourth overall pick and Brandon Ingram to trade for Bradley Beal. I think he's probably going to get a package for him that's maybe similar-ish to Anthony Davis, just a little bit less than that. And he's also a guy that's got two years left on his contract, so it's not a one-year rental with him. Um, you know, maybe a guy like Clint Capella is an option. He's a big that would probably fit pretty well next to Zion Williamson. But you start to run out of kind of veteran players, all-star guys, that make a lot of sense here in New Orleans should the team really look to be active on the trade market. So that either means trading down to with Atlanta, who's a good option with 8, 10, and 17 in the first round. But you could also maybe drop down to the 8th or the 10th pick, get a guy you think would fit, and also then try and get another future first-round pick or two. And I think there's a number of teams that might look to do it. I'd be willing to bet Atlanta, with the young roster that they already have, three first-round picks here, would love to maybe combine two of those, move up to four, and also give you a future first or another future second, something like that, which you can then spin off again. You know, you can kind of keep creating cascading trades till you end up in a spot where you'd like. But I think the Pelicans would like to kick this can down the road a little bit, keep acquiring future assets and really position themselves that once Zion is impacting their win total and a very good player in the NBA, you're armed with a plethora of first round picks 
young guys that you can then use to trade and make a move for maybe a big superstar at the time. Philadelphia did something like this. They traded for uh, Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris within a month of each other with all of those first-round picks that they had, all of those young guys that they had. So there can be a lot of value in the future for amassing all of that now and then waiting for the right time to strike. Yeah, I mean, Boston was in a very similar situation up until, well, this year's kind of the last major haul of that stacking assets that they went through. It can go really well. Obviously, it didn't work out great for Boston. You guys now probably have the largest asset treasure chest in the league. I do feel like um, you did get, in this trade, you did get the second best player available. Obviously, Tatum would have been the best. Uh, I don't think Ingram is a bad guy to, for you to have got, but I do understand that he doesn't really fit as well. Do you see him at least having a season with you before you evaluate it, or do you try and move him before the trade deadline? Yeah, I, I think you try and move him sooner. And that's because at the end of the year, this coming year, he'll be a restricted free agent. So you kind of need to make a decision on, are you going to pay him a lot of money? And if you kind of look at the wings in next year's free agent class, it's somewhat thin. You know, Brandon Ingram easily could get kind of a max deal during that offseason. And it forces the Pelicans to match it because you don't want to let him go for nothing since you brought him in with the Anthony Davis trade. It's just shades of what happened with Eric Gordon and the Chris Paul trade a number of years ago, where the Pelicans just had to for were forced to match the the Suns contract for Eric Gordon, something that maybe they didn't want to do, and it hampered them going forward because he wasn't worth what they were paying him that sixteen million a year or so. And I think they'd like to avoid being put in that spot. So if you can trade him before the trade deadline, maybe even before he plays a game for you, you kind of just don't even need to worry about that, and you can focus on the future. Not is this guy going to play good enough? Or well enough to give a lot of money to because you just don't want that hanging over the franchise. And again, it can restrict your flexibility going forward too. something that the Pelicans want to have the most of. So I expect him to be very much in trade conversations the next couple of days, maybe packaged with the fourth pick, but maybe just move for something else. If New Orleans feels he just doesn't fit here and this isn't a guy they want to build and have part of their core. And I'm glad to hear you say that you feel like Lonzo fits really well. I totally agree with you. And I was kind of confused to see a lot of things with Lonzo being interested in the Suns or different things like this uh, outside of New Orleans after being swapped there. But the idea of Lonzo and Zion running in transition just sounds like amazing highlights. They'll be perfect in that regard. Lonzo and Drew next to each other sounds like a team that I absolutely never want my team to play against. The defense of that is just going to be insane. I mean, Lonzo seems like he's here to stay more so, right? Yeah, I think the coaching staff in particular, Alvin Gentry, are pretty high on him. And they feel he can really thrive in that faster-paced Alvin Gentry kind of run-and-gun system. Like you said, him and Zion leading the break in transition is going to be tough for any team to stop. He makes the right passes. His basketball IQ is exceptionally high. He's a tremendous defender, and you can't really coach giving a damn on defense, and it's something that he just has in spades, and I think he and Holiday become one of the best backcourt defensively in the NBA. There's tons of issues with his game, though. Offensively in the half court, it's he's a liability and almost a concern. You saw it in games last year, though, where teams would just leave him open on the three-point line and dare him to shoot. And he's so scared of driving to the rim right now because he does not shoot free throws well at all. I think he's a sub-40% shooter from uh, from the free throw line or something close to that. 
He doesn't like to drive to the rim and attack because if he gets sent to the line, he's going to miss him. So he's comfortable launching those open threes that he doesn't make. That is a recipe for disaster in the NBA right now. So he's got to figure that jump shot out, his shooting motion, which is, we know, kind of wonky. If he can do that, though, and I mean, he's two years in the league. This will be his third. He's got time to improve. I think he can be a very, very good player. But he still fits. And if you play in transition as much as the Pelicans do, it limits the time that he's in the half court that you need to worry about him or that he is a liability. So I think those concerns are a little bit minimized here in New Orleans, maybe versus with another team. So I'm high on him of all the guys they're getting. I think I like him the most. He seems like a core guy. There are concerns about LeVar Ball with the Pelicans and just the drama he brings and some of the things he says. He's already kind of talking. But he seems to be on his best behavior right now. So I think that's a good thing. So we'll see how it goes. It's certainly going to be an experiment, but I'm pretty high on Lonzo Ball. I've done quite a few deep dives into Lonzo over the last few days. As you say, his three-point shot's a bit broken. The one thing he does do really well, though, is he excels when he's playing as a ball handler in the pick and roll. So I can see when you do get the half-court sets, if you can try and feed him into the ball handler have him coming off those screens. He does really, he does excel. Like he's in the top 95th percentile for ball handlers in the pick and roll. He's also a fantastic defender. So that helps as well, especially next to Drew. I do feel like he's going to be a guy that can improve a lot. I don't see him going in the way of faults. I do think he's going to be more aggressive, actually outside of the Lakers limelight. I don't know if you agree, but I feel like moving away from the Lakers might be one of the best things he could have done for his career. I think that's the case for right now most players. <laughs> from, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, look at look at a guy like D'Angelo Russell who left there and has become an all-star with Brooklyn. Look at Julius Randle with New Orleans last year. This was a guy who was putting up close to 20 and 10 on a nightly basis once he got away from the dysfunction from L.A. I think you could say the same for all three of these guys, and they could improve. And, you know, sometimes you just need to go to a stable environment, something the Pelicans have not had traditionally but seem to have now under David Griffin and all of the changes that they've made. So sometimes just getting away from a dysfunctional organization does wonders for you. So I fully agree with that. Brendan, what do you think? Do you think that Lanza is going to excel more away from Los Angeles? I think so, but I think it's mainly more opportunity rather than getting out of Los Angeles. I think that that could be part of it. Obviously it's a big spotlight and everything, but not having to play next to LeBron as a guy that's likes the ball in his hands I do think that Lonzo fits really well here um, and just getting to run the show a little bit, which I guess maybe not might not be fully the case with Zion there as well. But like I said, the ball in his hands a little more often. One other guy in here is Josh Hart that was included in this. And do you feel like he was more of a quote unquote kind of throw in? Um, I know he's a nice piece, but do you see him as a future building block or was it just, you know, we're going to take as much as we can get? Uh, I think it's more of a we can take it as much as we can get. Like, it's a nice piece, but this is not a core guy. I think we've kind of just seen him at his best as an NBA player already. He'll hit you threes. He had a down year last year, which maybe had to do with playing alongside LeBron James. But his rookie year, he was pretty good. He plays adequate enough defense. I wouldn't call him a great defender. wouldn't call him a bad defender either, though. So he's kind of right in the middle. You've got to wonder if, you know, he can be a court spacer for Zion Williamson and whatever else they do here in New Orleans, or if he's just a guy that's going to space the court off the bench and maybe be your go-to shooter from there. I think he's got a role to play, and he's a role player, but 
it's more filler. You know, I think LA wanted to include him in this deal more so to get rid of that money. I think he's owed, I forget what it is now, but his contract's pretty cheap. They are trying to clear as much cap space as possible to try and make a run at a big name free agent. So they needed to include other guys too. His number made sense with the millions that he's owed. So, you know, why not get him if you can? And at a certain point, you just want to squeeze everything you can out of LA and make him pay for all of this. Does it feel like the rest of this roster that you're filling in needs to be shooters? Because most of the guys we talked about have had a little bit of shooting troubles there, and Zion's kind of included in that. Yeah, I think so. I think the number one thing they're going to be looking at this offseason is shooters, shooters, shooters. You know, and you've seen just how important it is in the NBA. I mean, like, come on, we all we all know the value of this. I will say, I, you know, and you want to space the court for Zion as much as possible. This is a dude who can do some damage with a little bit of room. And so the more you give him, the, the easier it'll make him, particularly as he transitions from college to the NBA. And as good as I think he's going to be, he's probably going to struggle the first half of his rookie year and maybe start to come on in the second half. You want to make it as easy as possible and have his development go as smoothly as possible. That said, he had very little spacing at Duke. They started him next to a true center. The other guys just did not shoot well around him whatsoever. And you saw him when he was under the basket. There's four or five defenders as close as possible to him. And he still did all of the damage and all of the scoring despite all of that. You look at his ball handling and some of the skills he has. Doesn't need a ton of room to operate, which makes me think, you know, it'll be okay if they don't have shooters. But certainly adding more is only going to be a good thing. It's Drew Holiday more space to drive. You're still going to trot out a traditional center there. You get another rim running big, maybe it's in the draft or a guy on the roster already, you need to space the court for him too. So I think that's going to be important. But yeah, shooting is the way to go in free agency. You get a shooter in the draft, that would be great too. And the one guy that this kind of leaves on the outside looking in, we saw him decline his player option. It was either today or yesterday was Julius Randle. And I would anticipate he's not back in New Orleans next year with like we said, Ingram and Zion kind of both being that four position, Randall falling the same, even though we've seen him at some five. I'm curious what you think of Randall as a player. I know he had a lot better year. We talked about guys that leave the Lakers and do better. Randall was one like that in New Orleans last year. What do you think his place on an NBA roster is next season? You know, he, he's a weird one in because he puts up numbers. We've seen him. He put him up in that second half of the year his last year in LA, he put him up this past season for New Orleans. Like The guy can get you buckets when you need it. And the coaching staff here in New Orleans loves him because of that. He's just a reliable score when you need someone to get you two points. And that's good. He also has range from three, so he's multifaceted. But he's a big negative on defense. At times, he's a little too much of an isolation player, too, and can throw your offense out of rhythm. And I wonder about his fit with a number of players or if they even like playing with him because of that. And so because of that, it puts him in a weird spot in the NBA. You know, I think with the number one overall pick and it going to be Zion Williamson, that means he's definitely going to be gone from New Orleans. They have about $20 million in cap space this offseason. I think before Zion, they would have tried to keep him and maybe given him, say, 15 a year, which I think is probably the right value for him. But there's a lot of money to spend in the offseason this year. He might get 20 plus, And I think that's just a little bit too rich for my blood. If you put him on a team like maybe the Nets who might need a score to go alongside Kyrie Irving, if you don't trust Karis LeVert to be that guy, I think it could work really well. If you can space the court for him, he can do some damage driving from the perimeter. And, you know, if you can kind of remove a defender from the paint, you're less worried about a turnover or him running into a wall and not knowing what to do. 
he's a good player. It's just you've got to almost build your offense around him, which is a little bit tough to do. I can see him going to the Suns as well. You know, I don't think he's going to be back in New Orleans, but it, and it was also no surprise that he's not opting into that final year of the contract. Yeah, understanding. You got a good situation going on. It's not like you're going to be crying about missing Julius Randle at night. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my last question I have for you, Jake, is how good is Anthony Davis? Like, how much of a difference does this make for the Lakers? Obviously, it's a win now mode. He's the best guy that was available on the market. Best trade that's happened in years uh nobody is available that's a top five player probably going into their prime is are the lakers a championship contender right now not knowing what the rest of their roster is just having years of anthony davis and lebron james you know if the west wasn't as wide open due to injuries to golden state i'd say no but i think right now you have to kind of pencil them in pencil mind you into a top four seed in the Western Conference, which probably gives them as good of a shot as anyone to win a title next year. Anthony Davis is amazing. I've loved watching him play. I've watched his whole career here in New Orleans. This guy is excellent. You've seen him improve in every area that you want to see him improve in. Going into last year was, can he be a bit of a playmaker, maybe in that high post elbow spot? And he did. He he almost averaged four assists per game last year, almost double his career high for that number. He's a good enough shooter from three. He's a good enough mid-range shooter. And he can get you to the rim and finish like no one else in the league. He's an excellent, excellent player. You've got to wonder, though, about his personality and the other stuff that he brings there. He's also very good defensively. I should mention that. You know, I, I could have made a very good argument two years ago for him to be Defensive Player of the Year over Rudy Gobert. Um, but he always, especially the past couple of years here, it's tough to kind of describe and put into words left you just wanting a little bit more, whether it was the injuries that have kind of dinged him up throughout his career. And he's, I've been calling injury prone, but for the past two or three seasons, he's been very, very healthy with no major injuries. So I don't think that's a huge concern, but just something always felt a little bit lacking. Maybe it's the lack of the fiery personality to really be the leader of that team. And maybe it'll be perfect playing alongside LeBron James, who can handle that for him. But something just always felt a little bit off. And it shows you how good he is, that he's still a top five player, despite all of that, putting up all of those numbers. I think in L.A. with LeBron, uh, you know, as a basketball fan, I'm really excited for this. The pick and rolls between those two are going to be so much fun to watch. It makes just everything a little bit easier for Anthony Davis. It's obviously the best play, uh, best player he's ever played alongside in the NBA. But I wonder if maybe making him not the man, but kind of one thing is going to do for him. And I think it's only going to be good. So I think the Lakers are going to be very good next year. I don't know if I trust their front office at all to kind of put the right pieces mm-hmm. around. That's why I don't want to say they're a title contender. We saw what they tried to do with LeBron James last year in a roster with no shooting. And now yeah. it sounds like they want to bring Rondo back, which I just don't see with LeBron and AD out there, a point guard who doesn't shoot threes particularly well. If they can't get it right around the margins, having those two guys, it's not going to matter. You need a little bit more than that. It also is going to depend when this trade gets finalized and how much cap space they have. You know, if they can go out and chase a guy like Kemba Walker or Jimmy Butler, who can really kind of take them over the top. There's so many unknowns. I don't want to pick them for the title, but they're certainly in the conversation. Yeah, well, I think that was all I had for you, Jake. I know we're reaching time here. Is there anything else that you wanted to throw in, Adam? No, I'm pretty good. Um, I just want to say thank you again for coming on. I do feel like this trade's kind of 
been ongoing for the majority of the season. In a way, I'm happy it's over with. I don't know about you. I know there's going to be some more trades going on, most likely with New Orleans, as we've discussed. The one thing I am curious about is, do you feel like there's any form of trade that may go down between the Pelicans and Boston, maybe involving some picks? Is there anybody you feel like may be available that you guys would like to try and take a run at? You know, I know... I know that they value Marcus Smart very highly, and if Lonzo Ball does get moved in another trade, and you want to bring in another almost combo guy, but guy doesn't need to be the primary ball handler, you know, he's someone I would definitely look at. You know, I'm sure they're going to be intrigued by that Memphis pick too in the future. I think that's a very, very good asset. Um, I think it's almost better than maybe any of the picks the Lakers were going to include in the trade, including the number four pick this year, just because of that huge drop-off between three and four in this draft that, you know, wherever that pick ends up in two years from now could be very, very valuable. I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, they think long-term and maybe can kick a piece to Boston right now who can help them because, you know, they're in a kind of a weird spot if Kyrie Irving's leaving and, you know, you don't have Anthony Davis there. You probably need to improve that roster somehow unless you think maybe losing Kyrie is kind of, you know, addition by subtraction. And I'm not sure. So they might look to kind of bring in another guy, too. So I could see maybe some combination of things going down. I don't know, though. We'll see. You know, maybe New Orleans looks to get that 14th pick, too. I think there's a lot of value there in this draft in particular. I think maybe, you know, the third or fourth best guy from the draft could come in that spot. So we'll see how it goes. But certainly New Orleans is not done burning up the trade trade phones. So we'll probably get a clear idea come Thursday morning. That's for sure. Well, Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on again, man. It's been really good. I appreciate your time. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on, you guys. Anytime, yeah. man. Anytime. All right, thank guys, you very you've much, been Jake. To the- Oops, sorry, Brendan. <laughs> My fault. <laughs> you've been listening to the Celtic Center. As usual, you can catch us again on Wednesday. And if you're new to listening, please hit the subscribe and leave a rating. If you've been listening regularly, thank you. Please make sure you leave a rating as well. And we'll catch you again soon. Say bye, Brendan. (laughs) Bye.